Welcome to the Get Your Goat Podcast. Josh back once again, midway through the week, everybody. Let's finish strong. But right now, there is more NFL free agency to get into. The news keeps on coming. Names keep on dropping. Signings, contracts being handed out. It's getting crazy out there. Three days into free agency. A lot of teams are being set. A lot of teams have won. A lot of teams have got better. Maybe a few surprising free agency decisions, but we will break that all down starting right here. Get into a little bit of the Lakers and the NBA. Preview of the college basketball tournament that kicks off tomorrow, the first four games. My top five NHL teams right now. A lot to get into. A lot to say. Let's start. First news we have is Hunter Henry signing with the Patriots. Uh, That happened yesterday. The Patriots already signed uh, tight end Johnny Smith from the Titans. Upgraded their tight end spot. They went out and signed Hunter Henry, one of the best tight ends available, the best free agent tight end uh, who I think is a top five tight end of the league. I have him, you know, right there at number five. Hasn't been selected to a a Pro Bowl or been an All-Pro, but he is an excellent young tight end. They got him on a good deal, you know, three years, $37 making around $12 a year. But he is a really, really good tight end last year. Uh, 613 yards, four touchdowns the year before, 652 yards, five touchdowns, uh, was injured in 18, uh, his rookie year, uh, 478 yards, eight touchdowns, so he is excellent in the red zone, Uh, his targets, his receptions are upward, on an upward trend, he is getting a rapport, developing a rapport with Justin Herbert, that excellent young quarterback, and now he is on the Patriots. And he is kind of Gronk-esque, like the bigger kind of guy. You know, I think 6'5", 250. Not as big as Gronk was back in the day. But he is a big red zone target threat that will help the Patriots out immensely. Uh, offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels loved the two tight end sets. Uh, we saw that in the Patriots in the early uh, 2010 era with Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski, the doubleheaded monster that they had at the tight end position was a matchup nightmare for defensive coordinators. Uh, that team really flew high with that two tight end set. Is Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry uh, same caliber as Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski? No. Uh, not even close, but you know they are up there. They're still good. Uh, Hunter Henry is a great player. Uh, Cam Newton is now getting weapons. He has tight ends, uh, more blocking with the offensive line they signed. So yes, this is a great deal. Great for the Patriots. Excellent signing. Uh, I don't know if Bill Belichick is doing this. Uh, Because he saw Tom Brady win another Super Bowl this year. And 
it's you know every off season it changes. Last year they were talking about you know Brady is a system, uh, in the system because it's Bill Belichick system. He cannot replicate any of that success anywhere else. And that's fine that they thought that because guess what, Brady won this year proved uh, his success uh, was not dependent on Bill Belichick. And now Bill Belichick is trying to do the same thing. He's trying to sign guys. He's getting all his players in line. He's trying to isolate the factors and see, hey, can Cam Newton just give me enough? Can he do better than he did last year? Can he make plays to the players I'm signing? My defense is coming back. Uh, What will my team hold? What will Cam Newton do? Or do I have to go out and get another quarterback? But excellent signing by the Patriots. The Jacksonville Jaguars made a couple of moves. Their first move, they signed Shaq Griffin of the Seattle Seahawks to a three-year, $39 million deal. And I was not in love with this deal at all uh, because he's just not... A true number one quarterback, uh, to put it nicely. He isn't the shutdown guy. He isn't Revis Island. He isn't Richard Sherman, even though the Seahawks wanted him to be Richard Sherman. He is not Richard Sherman. Uh, He's not Patrick Peterson, vintage Patrick Peterson. He's none of those guys. Uh, He's not. uh, He he is that spark kind of corner, you know, that breaks a pass up. Gets nuts, gets the defense fired up. He's that kind of guy. Uh, he's good, but he's not tremendous. Uh, this year he was injured a few games. This is his first. This is his career year interception-wise. He only had three. Uh, last year he had zero, but he had a ton of pass breakups and was on the verge of eliteness. 2018, he wasn't good, only two interceptions. And 2017, he was good. He kind of started off. Uh, hot on the right side before he switched over and became the main cornerback on the left side. Last year, he was went to the Pro Bowl. He was that good. Uh, but we see a hot and cold thing from him where in odd years, 17 and 19, he's good. But in the other years, 18 and 20, he's bad. So you might get a great year. They're probably banking on, guess what? I gave him a three-year deal. We just want him to be good too of these years and maybe outperform his contract those years. And you could get that. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Jags and Urban Meyer and what's going on over there. But we'll see. I definitely think this hurts the Seahawks more than it hurts, than it helps the Jags. Hurts the Seahawks more than it helps the Jags. Because uh, you see Griffin signing with them, their top cornerback, and they haven't replaced him. Uh, they did sign uh, Witherspoon from the 49ers, but he is nowhere near the caliber of Shaq Griffin playing the cornerback spot. So this leaves an already thin position that the Seahawks had very thin without Shaq Griffin, leaving them with Quentin Dunbar, uh, Trey Flowers, DJ Reed. Uh, They need a cornerback back there. The Seahawks tried to make another last-minute offer, put him back in the ballpark of the Jags, but he was going to the Jags. Uh, Let's see how he performs there. But 
a Hunter Henry signing, I give a Patriots an A minus. Shaq Griffin signing, I give the Jags a B minus. Uh because he's not a game changer. Then who else signed with the Jags? Marvin Jones signed a two-year, $14 million deal. And uh, a lot of flack uh, with this signing for Marvin Jones. But I think it's a great signing. Uh, Why do I think it's a great signing? Well, they have uh, Dax Charts as their wide receiver, who's good. Uh, you know, not this all great court player. Uh, their backfield, they have James Robinson, excellent running back. Uh, their quarterback was Gardner Minshew, but it's looking like Trevor Lawrence will be the guy. They'll have T Dog coming in, they'll have Trevor Lawrence. So you need him to throw to people, you need Trevor Lawrence to throw to guys. Uh, and guess what? Last year he had a career. A uh, year, at least to me, uh, matching his 20, 2017 output with Detroit. Uh, 16 games, almost 1,000 yards, 900 plus, 9 touchdowns. Uh, was great. Is a number one guy uh, with Kenny Galladay out for the Lions. But Kenny Galladay's put, putting up great numbers ever since he signed uh, with Detroit. His first year, over 900 yards. Uh, 17 is the year with over a thousand receiving yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, 2018, he was injured half a season, only at 500. Uh, then 19 last year, he was injured a quarter of a season, had over 700. This year, 978 is the main guy. So he is a very good wide receiver. Five years in Detroit, putting up over 4,000 yards and 36 touchdowns. Uh, Marvin Jones can ball. He can ball well. Uh, he's not this old uh, wide receiver where he's just there for experience and showing the younger guys the ropes. He's that middle-class, middle-aged wide receiver who can still ball out, and he's still kind of that veteran they look to, even though he's not you know, old, old, that Trevor Lawrence can uh, build something with, develop a relationship with. I think it's a great signing. Uh, definitely, I think, on the cheaper side, considering the wide receiver market and what the top-tier uh, wide receivers have been getting, uh, two years, $14 million, you know, $7 million a year, is not a bad gig at all for either parties concerned. This hurts uh, Marvin Jones because we're trying... I mean, this hurts uh, the Detroit Lions because as we're trying to analyze... Who is Jared Goff going to throw to? Who's he going to throw the football to? Uh, I just don't know. I don't know where the football will be thrown to. Uh, where is he going to throw to his offensive line? Uh, we saw DeAndre Swift uh, drop pass after pass, drop a game winner against the Chicago Bears. Uh, he's a running back, though, but you know you can pass it to him and you, he'll drop it. Wide receiver Marvin Jones is officially crossed off the list. Uh, Danny Amendola is a free agent. You decided not to franchise tag re-sign uh, Kenny Galladay. Uh, so you have TJ Hawkinson. You released Jesse James. I think you got another tight end, though, to back up Hawkinson. So you just expect Hawkinson uh, to be the next George Kittle. 
and Jared Goff, you know, target him 100-plus times a season and hope he gets 1,400 yards. I think that's best-case scenario. Uh, I don't think that will happen. Uh, I feel bad for Jared Goff. Uh, at least he's making a ton of money. I mean, he has to live in a cold, endure a cold winter's of Detroit go to work every day with, you know, a bunch of no-name wide receivers and uh, no-name offensive line and get crushed, uh, you know, just take a knee. Uh, you see people coming at you, you know, just duck and cover. Duck and cover, Jared Goff. Just throw that ball, get down, collect your paycheck, and move on because this Detroit Lions offense, I think, will be pitiful next year. I really do. But I'll get more into the lines in a second. But again, great signing for the Jags. Again, I'll give it a B minus, not a game changing signing. Next up, Andy Dalton signing with the Bears. With that signing, it basically put the kibosh to any Russell Wilson trade. And uh, Russell Wilson, I mean, the Seahawks said that you know the Bears offered them were very aggressive in offers for Russell Wilson, but Seahawks said, "Hey, we're not trading him at this time." Well, we don't know what the trade offer was. What I've been hearing is it was around three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two starters. I would like to know who those two starters are, uh, but that would have been a huge haul. For Russell Wilson, uh, it would have been insane if the Bears pulled this off and the Seahawks said yes. I really do want to know who those two starters were. Three first-round picks is great. A third-round pick is great. I want to know who those two starters were uh, for Russell. Uh, that would have been a game-changer for the Seahawks if they could have got those picks and got two decent starters to stay somewhat relevant, and then just get a quarterback. That would have been huge because they don't have first-round picks. Uh, But nope. I just know how is this going to affect Russell Wilson. Called out his offensive line. Called out the Seahawks saying he wants more. And he has been relatively quiet on the Seahawks' front. Uh, regards to, you know, I like my team backing the Seahawks and their decisions. Seahawks have been quiet in free agency. And now this, uh, I don't think Russell Wilson is happy. I do think he will, I don't think he will finish his career in Seattle. I really don't. Uh, If he's not moved this year, depending on what could happen, they can move him next year as they are in a loaded NFC West with Matthew Stafford and the number one Rams defense. With an ascending Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Uh, Watt, Buda Baker, and then the 49ers healthy now with Jimmy G, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and company. Uh, very tough. Uh, and if something happens to Russell Wilson this year, he gets injured, he gets on a decline, uh, that Bears offer could change, and then the Seahawks would be biting themselves in the butt, wishing things would have played out differently. But nope, you know, the Bears couldn't pull it off, but I think that's more on Seattle's end than the Bears. I think the Bears had a great offer in play for Russell Wilson. Uh, 
Andy Dalton is now the quarterback of the Bears. It looks like Mitch Trubisky is done there, so it looks like Andy Dalton and Nick and uh, Nick Foles. And I think this is a terrible signing for the Bears. Doesn't fit in Matt Nagy's uh, kind of pro-read uh, system where Mitch Trubisky can run a little bit, even to same with Nick Foles. Andy Dalton, to me, does not fit that. Uh, he doesn't have the kind of zone read ability that at least Mitch did. Uh, I think Andy does have a better arm than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I think Nick Foles had a better arm than both of them. But I think it's a terrible signing for the Bears. This was your backup plan for not getting Russell Wilson. Andy Dalton, I think they did, should definitely explore options in the draft, try to find a quarterback. Uh, if they really think that is their missing piece. But I don't like the signing at all for the Bears. I am giving that a D-. minus. Not a true F grade, but not a good signing at all for him. Doesn't fit their system. Jacoby Brissett, quarterback of the Colts. He was the backup, but he did start a few games uh, the year before Phillip Rivers came. He signed with the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins wanted another quarterback in there uh, to compete with Tua Tagovailoa. They had Fitzmagic there, the veteran, and he went on to the Washington football team. So now you have Jacoby Brissett. And there, and I think that's a great move for the Dolphins. I do, uh, didn't cost them much, and he's played really well in his starting, played well in the, with the Patriots, uh, was one of the quarterbacks that backed up Brady and was with Garoppolo. He was great. Uh, he played good. He played good with the Colts. He kind of sparked their offense. I think he's a good quarterback. I do. Uh, personally, I, I like him more than Jameis. Uh, Winston, I like him more than Mitch. I like him more than a lot of other ones. He definitely is an under-the-radar type of guy. But he can definitely compete with Tua. If you go to a forward with Tua and he's your starting guy, you know, Tua has an injury history. If he does, it is going to be great that they sign Jacoby Brissett and have him in the backfield backing up because he is more than capable of winning football games I love this signing by the Dolphins. Love QB competition. Uh, love to see if Jacoby Brissett can prove himself. I think this is great. I'm giving this a B plus. Great move for Jacoby to go there and actually compete for a spot. Great move for the Dolphins as an insurance plan. That's a great move. Great signing. Now let's go for another Lions rant. Uh, Lions made a couple of moves yesterday as well. They signed Jamal Williams, running back from a pan, pan, or Packers, my bad. Packers, not Panthers. Uh, Jamal Williams backed up uh, Aaron Jones and was a great, great backup. This year, uh, he battled injuries, but he is a tremendous running back. Hasn't fumbled at all in any of his touches, uh, which is insane. To, that's a step that just keeps on coming up across my feet as he does not fumble the football. He was really good, especially pass catching out of a backfield. That's kind of where, you know, he gets a lot of his yards and a lot of his touches is pass catching out of a backfield. Last year he had, you know, like six touchdowns or so. This year he only had two, a little bit of a drop off there. Uh, but no, I think he, this is a great piece for the Lions. Lions having DeAndre Swift, most likely not re-signing Adrian Peterson. Uh, 
compete with DeAndre Swift, be the number two back, uh, be out there for third downs. I don't think DeAndre Swift is, you know, that Cal Bell type running back, uh, three down, use him all the time, uh, like a Derrick Henry or an Alvin Kamara. DeAndre Swift is not that guy, or at least not that guy yet. Jamal Williams is a more than proven player and will be great, just great for this team. I love it. I love that they got Jamal Williams, uh, even though uh, the rest of his team is in disarray. Uh, I will give this a just a B because I like the signing, even though it is quite surprising for the Lions. Then they made a trade with the Rams and got Michael Brockers for a seventh-round pick. I'll give this an A uh, because you know you only give up a seventh-round pick for Mike, Michael Brockers, who's a really good uh, rotational piece in that Rams uh, defense, thins the Rams out a little bit. Uh, he's just turning 30. Uh, he's been with the Rams his whole life, and he's a good player. Uh, last year had five sacks, uh, you know, like 51 tackles or somewhere around there. He's good. He pressures a quarterback. That's what he does. I think it's great that they only gave up a seventh for him. So because of that, I'll give him an A. Gives him a piece to rotate with Trey Flowers, Romeo Cora. I think the three of them will do well as the Lions didn't really have a uh, lot of depth there on the defensive line. This improves it. Uh, at least one facet of this team, the Lions do. So no, I think that works great for the Lions. Uh, and then you don't even have to keep him after the next year as he's in the last year of his contract. Now, last but not least, we'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals. They made a trade for center Rodney Hudson of the Raiders, who is a tremendous, tremendous center Uh Definitely on the older side, uh, has a big contract, uh, but he's great because he'll be able to protect Kyler Murray. Uh, his leadership, his skill, you know, one of the most important relationships in football uh, for players is the center and the quarterback, uh, them two to be on the same page. I think this is great for the Cardinals. Uh, really think this was a home run trade uh, for them. I'm definitely giving them an A because I think this will do wonders for the Cardinals. Then they made a surprising move and signed A.J. Green to a one-year deal. I really do think this is a fly on flying under the radar type of deal, and it could go either way. Uh, it's going to go one of two ways, uh, the way I see it. Uh, one way, A.J. Green's going to be injured uh, part, most, all of the year, uh, any one of those three variations. Uh, he's not himself. You don't see him on the field much. When he's on the field, he doesn't make any of an impact at all. That's the one. See, that's one thing I see. The other thing I see is, hey, he's been the number one guy, and Cincinnati this whole time double covered has been great. Andy Dalton left the scheme changed. He got injured. Hasn't been the same. Last year he played all sixteen games. Surprisingly, did, did fight through some nagging injuries. But guess what? No longer the number one guy. You have DeAndre Hopkins uh, getting double-teamed. All the attention's on D-Hop. You don't know what's going to happen with Larry Fitzgerald, but that's going to draw a guy. Isabella is a tremendous deep threat, a little Scotty Miller 
Cardinals-esque type guy that the Bucks have, and the Cardinals use him the same way. He takes up a guy. So A.J. Green can definitely get open. He's a great route runner. Uh, Kyler Murray's a great quarterback. Uh, I think the best quarterback that he has ever played with. Yes, he played with Joe Burrow, but he got injured, so he didn't have a full season. I think he'll have a full season with Kyler, and I think he'll do really well with Kyler. I think this offense is going to take off, uh, shouldered by that offensive line, anchored by Rodney Hudson. Great quarterback and Kyler Murray. You know, you have kind of the duo running back. They could use a true number one, but they have a couple of running back two options. And Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, they've got wide receiver depth. And A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Isabella, Larry Fitzgerald, they got depth. Their defense shoring up J.J. Uh, Watt, Chandler Jones on the outside, Buda Baker on the back end. Has to find something at cornerback, but you have a draft. No, I am really high on this Cardinals team. This signing by A.J. Green I really think will fly under the radar uh, for both reasons. Either he gets injured and it proves out to be a dud, or hey, it does really well and everybody else is like, hey, why didn't we sign this guy? So that's it for the NFL. Hey, definitely... A lot of moves, and moves will definitely keep on coming in. That's what they do. Uh, But I'll be here to talk about all of them. So shifting quickly to the NBA. Uh, Monday night, I picked a couple of games. The first one was the Nets and the Knicks, and I was dead on with this game. I said the Nets were going to win, but I expect it to be close because this Knicks team has a lot of fight in them, a lot of heart. And they did. Uh, Nets won 117-112. Uh, but this was actually a great game. You know, Nets took a, quite a lead. Nick stormed back and was great. Julius Randle was great. Uh, quickly, Bullock missed a three at the end. Uh, that needed to go in, but he played good. Uh, Barrett was good. This team is playing really well. Uh, feisty, but they were just outmatched. By Kyrie Irving, who's been brilliant, has been brilliant. James Harden, uh, another triple-double, 21 points, 15 and 15 with rebounds and assists. He's playing great. Uh, Nets were just too much, too much star power for the Knicks. But this was a great win, and definitely uh, you can take morale from that loss as a Knicks fan. But I was wrong about the Lakers and Warriors. I thought the Warriors were going to take him. I thought Steph was going to heat up. But I was wrong about that. I was happy I was wrong about that. I wanted the Lakers to win. And I was surprised. It looks like the Lakers have the Warriors number as the Lakers crushed them last time. And they did so again uh, by like 30 points. LeBron, great. Another triple-double that night, 22-10-11. KCP was good at a 14. Montrez Harrell was the true star of the game with 27 points off the bench, which matched Steph Curry's 27. Uh, it was great. Uh, this was definitely better uh, Lakers than poor Warriors. Warrior Lakers shooting over 60% from a field and 40% from three, uh, where the Lakers, where the Warriors were, you know, below average at 43% and 35. Uh, this was a great Lakers win with AD out, uh, with Mark Gasol out. Which was a great win by the Lakers. It definitely surprised me. They just got contributions all over the place. And I was happy that they won. 
And then the same thing, Lakers beat the Timberwolves last night, dropped 137 on them. LeBron with another triple-double, uh, his 99th career one, uh, 25, 12, and 12. He's playing great. And then Montrezl Harrell again, adding 25 off the bench to match LeBron's 25. I mean, the Lakers are clicking right now. After I kind of, I didn't slander them. I didn't. But I kind of did like a little th- shade throwing at them. Lakers are playing really, really well. I'm surprised, but I'm happy that they're getting contributions and more than LeBron. Kyle Kuzma playing well. Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell. Even uh, Horton Tucker, that's what they needed. Even uh, even though their efficiency from the field dropped last night, their efficiency from three was up to 50%. That's good Lakers. That's Lakers I like to see. I'm happy about that. I'm proud of rooting for those Lakers. Lakers are close. They're not fully back yet. Death Star's not fully operational yet. But it is getting close, and I think... The Lakers will be fully operational by the time the playoffs arrive and when they need everybody the most. I think that's going to be great. So tonight, I'll pick a couple of games. First, marquee matchup is the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Both are playing really, really well. Uh, Philadelphia on a five-game winning streak. Milwaukee on a four-game winning streak. Both teams are playing good. Uh, Philadelphia is number one in the East. Uh, Bucks are third, but they're only two games back. They're both playing just really, really well. Uh, so efficient, uh, almost averaging you know 120 points a game. Uh, of course, 76ers have a better defense, but the Bucks have a little bit better offense, and I have to roll with the Bucks. And to me, the reason I'm rolling with the Bucks is because Joel Embiid is out for the 76ers. If Joel Embiid was here, I have no problem picking the 76ers. Is I think Joel Embiid can really stop Giannis, uh, get into his head, and contain Giannis. Uh, but with that not being the case with Joel Embiid out, I don't see any problem uh, that the Bucks will have tonight with the Sixers. I could see it being close as... You know, the Sixers have, you know, just wiped out the Spurs and other teams without the help of Joel Embiid. But tonight's the night where you would need him. And I could see this thing getting ugly really fast. I have the Bucks winning in prime time. Then right after that, you have the Clippers and the Mavericks in a matchup of a game that was just a few days ago. Where the Clippers took it one oh nine. 99 in Dallas. Tonight is a rematch also again in Dallas in what I think will be a great, great game. Uh, Mavericks only three games at back of the Clippers. You know, this is a 4-8 and eight matchup. Both teams, you know, are playing all right, not playing great uh, as of recently. But I think the Clippers are going to win. Uh, you know, you have Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Uh, just saying that, you know, the Clippers aren't playing up to what they're used to. You know, they've got to fix it. Uh, they look good in a win against the Mavericks. I think this will be a close game. Uh, but with Kawhi Leonard, with Paul George, I think that's too much uh, for Luka and Kristaps Porzingis. 
you know, if Porzingis has a good night, uh, you know, 20, 30 points, definitely think the Mavericks can win this game. I think it'll be close. Wouldn't be surprised if, you know, something crazy happens and John Doncic, uh, Luka pulls off some crazy three, wins a game, walks off. I can see that happening, uh, but I just have to pick the safe pick, pick the Clippers. I think that's much smarter, uh, even with Patrick Beverly still being out in Serge Ibaka. I think the Clippers uh, can still win this game behind their star duo that they have. But it will be an excellent matchup. But I got the Clippers in a close one, in which I think will be much closer than the Bucks and 76ers game. So that'll be great. Uh, I'm just seeing uh, that Oklahoma City Thunder are finalizing a trade for Trevor Ariza to Miami Heat for Myers Leonard. Just first thoughts, first reactions. Uh, I think this is a good trade for the Thunder uh, and the Heat both. You know, the pick is a 2027 second round pick. Uh, so the Thunder aren't really, you know, going to use that pick anytime soon. And Myers Leonard's not that great of a player. Uh, you know, the Thunder are kind of going in the kind of tank mode now. Or, you know, not going to win a ton of games. Uh, Trevor Ariza is still a good defensive player. He'll definitely help out Miami as they're pushing for the playoffs. And I don't think they'll get close to a top three seed in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. But if they can solidify that four, I think that's what they want. And I think they can get it, and Trevor Ariza definitely helps out. Now pivoting to college basketball. I'm not going to give you my pick yet on who I think will win it all. I will do that Friday. But tomorrow night... We have the first four matchups, uh, the play-in games that will determine who plays who. And I'm about to get into those right now. The first one tomorrow is Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's. And I have Texas Southern winning this game. Uh, This is one I was going back and forth on uh, with Mount St. Mary's in the Northeastern Conference and Texas Southern and the Southwestern Atlantic. Uh, But Texas Southern has been much better. They're on a nine-game winning streak. They won their uh, tournament, whereas Mount St. Mary's is only on a four-game winning streak. Uh, Barely won their conference tournament. They barely punched their ticket. But just Texas Southern, to me, has been playing better. Uh, Yes, they survived its... uh, Overtime semifinal game uh, against Jackson State, but other than that, they are playing uh, really well. Michael Weathers, their guard, is a great guard. Jordan Carl Nicholas, their forward, uh, those two, I think, is going to be too much for this Mount St. Mary's team. Uh, I'm impressed by a nine-game winning streak whenever I see one, and especially in college basketball where anything can happen on any given night. But I'm rolling with Texas Southern. Then you have Drake in Wichita State. And this, I think, will be a very close, 
great game. I really do think that's going to be something else. Uh, Drake doesn't have one of their uh, star guards in Roman Penn. Uh, so Joseph Yasofu is going to really have to step up and be the man, uh, carry the bulk of a workload. But we've got Darnell Brody uh, to clean up down low, uh, whereas the Wichita State has uh, just a very, very balanced team with Tyson Etienne, uh, Trey Wade, and Gilbert. Uh, Etienne is just really good, 17 points per game. Uh, but they had that shocking loss to Cincinnati by one point in the uh, American Athletic Conference at AAC. And, you know, I really thought they would beat uh, Cincinnati. You know, Wichita State finished number one in the conference uh, in terms of record, even though Houston was better, I think, better than them, and it was proven because they beat Cincinnati. Uh, So that was definitely a surprising loss to me, whereas Drake didn't have a surprising loss because they were in the final against Loyola Chicago, and I thought Loyola Chicago would win. They were the better team. They have Sister Jane. They do. That's what will make you win. Uh, so even without Roman Penn, I think this will be a very, very, very close game. Both teams wanting to get in uh, to the West region and compete. But I have Drake winning, just advancing. Uh to me, uh, that Wichita State loss to Houston was very eye-opening. Uh, people questioning even if they'd make it into the tournament. So given that, given Drake playing better, even with you know a loss to Loyola Chicago, which wasn't surprising, whereas Wichita State's was, I'm rolling with Drake. Then you have Appalachian State and Norfolk State. Uh, I'm going to be honest, this is one, two teams I didn't hear about anything at all this year. And... So I'm going in blindly. Uh, Both teams uh, are in because they punched their ticket uh, for winning their conference. Appalachian State winning the Sunbelt Conference. And Norfolk State winning the MEAC, uh, the Mid-Eastern Athletic, uh, with a few teams they have in there. So I'm rolling with Norfolk State. I am. They got the better record. Metrics are saying pick Norfolk State. So I'm going to roll with Norfolk State. I could be wrong. That's going to be the one I have no backup. Don't count me or judge me on that pick. Uh, That's just a jump ball right there. Then, kind of a marquee matchup of uh, final four of those matchups, the first four, is UCLA and Michigan State. To me, that is the key game. Who will make it out of there? Uh, you have Aaron Henry from Michigan State and uh, Rocket Watts, who's great. Uh, they're really good. UCLA has a great guard in Johnny Juzang and Jaime Waquez. Uh, but Michigan State, to me, this is just you know one of those matchups because UCLA is down right now on a four-game losing streak. Uh, you know, all their losses have been close. Their games have been close, but they're on just a streak. Can they get over the hump? Michigan State, you know, is a team that, you know, beats good teams. They beat in Michigan. They beat in Ohio State, Illinois. They beat good teams to get into the tournament. But against their uh, little 
other teams in the division, they have a tough time like Maryland. And they're matching up against a team like Maryland. Uh, so that is always tough to me when you have a team down. But then you have a team like Michigan State who beats good teams, but then surprises you against you know comparable teams with them. So that is very close. Uh, ooh, but I think Henry is going to do a lot this game. I think Aaron Henry has to be has to be good. They have to get contributions from Rocket Watts like they did when they beat Michigan. Players have to get double digits. Uh, Bruins have to defend those guys. Uh, but they're giving up a lot of points down the stretch. I have to roll with Michigan State. I don't like it. I think they'll beat UCLA, and we'll see what happens from there. See how they look. I'm rolling with Michigan State. Uh, I don't like the pick, as you guys know. I am a Michigan fan. Go Blue. My brother, being the Michigan State fan, uh, divided, yes. But nope, can't root for Michigan State. But I will pick them to win, as I think they are the better team. And then after that, you got craziness Friday. It starts early in the morning, and I'll get into that. More Friday when I start earlier in the day on that podcast, but we'll have matchups going all throughout the day. Now, getting into our final sport context in the NHL. Again, I picked one game on Monday, just one. I picked the Flyers and the Rangers. I picked the Flyers to beat the Rangers. And I was right. I said, hey, it's going to be close with Panarin being back, but I don't think Keith Kincaid can do it in the goaltending spot. And I was right. Even though it looked like I was going to be wrong for a second. Philadelphia up early. Rangers come back tied up. Philadelphia takes the lead again. Then the Rangers storm back, take the lead. Philadelphia ties it up, goes into overtime. Keith Kincaid with a terrible pass uh, out to Artemi Panarin, stolen by Jacob Borchek. Uh, game-winning breakaway goal in overtime. Uh, that was heartbreaking for the Rangers. Needed a couple points, uh, but they played really well. Uh, Keith Kincaid uh, just made a few sloppy plays and wasn't as sharp as he usually is. Uh, so I was right about that one. Then my team, the Penguins, uh, on a six-game winning streak, they beat the Bruins Monday night 4-1. to one. Tristan Jari. Looked really good. 42 saves. Malkin looked good. Uh, Crosby looked good. Gensel. uh, Those first and second lines were great scoring on the power play. Uh, It was just terrific. Uh, Boston up early 1-0. And the Penguins storm back in the first period. Take the lead 2-1. Didn't look back after that. Win 4-1. That was excellent hockey. Then last night, you know, played back-to-back against the Bruins. uh, Lose a heartbreaker uh, two to one in a very questionable uh, game. Uh, DeSmith, I thought, played well. Vlador uh, for the Boston Bruins, I thought, played even better. But this game was huge because Evgeny Malkin, who's been really hot, playing really well recently, uh, he got injured in the first period, took an awkward kind of hit, and was out. And then Brandon Tanev, our Energizer Bunny, who makes big hit scores, who tied the game yesterday in the first period. In the second period, uh, he was uh, assessed a five-minute uh, game major misconduct where he was booted from the game. 
And then uh, the Boston Bruins were on an ensuing five-minute power play. And it was crazy because it was not a dirty hit at all. Uh, Tanev uh, didn't leave his feet. It was just a fast, hard hit where he just hit him. The player was in possession of a puck. He passed it when he was hit. It just looked so bad because it was near the boards, but it wasn't uh, boarding because he was far away. He kind of just launched him into the boards. Uh, looked like he may have had a mild concussion, but it was no uh, dirty targeting, uh, looking like he was trying to target the head or his knee or anything like that. So it was very surprising. I would have seen, you know, maybe a roughing or a interference for two minutes, but I thought a five-minute major misconduct was too much. Luckily, the Penguins killed it off, but they just could not get their offense going uh, without Evgeny Malkin, without Tanev missing two key guys. That was huge, so we'll see what happens with them. If any suspension is handed out, uh, what's dealt with Malkin's injury. Uh, but that was a tough pill to swallow because the Penguins' defense and goalie was really well. Uh, they just couldn't get any offense uh, after that Tanev hit and couldn't uh, really start the third period uh, with a jolt of offense. But I'm not uh, displeased with my Penguins. Great effort, uh, great uh split against the uh, Bruins, who's kind of been owning them lately. And, you know, they're still in third place with 37 points, which I like. You know, they're moving up the rankings, at least to me. So now I'll pick my two games for tonight. My annual, or more like daily pick them. Uh, Flyers-Rangers doing the rematch. I am picking the Rangers. This time, yes, they won, or they lost uh, last time to the Flyers. I picked that. But I'm picking the Rangers. I think they will rebound against the Flyers. They will get a win. They know this is uh, must-needed, you know, down by five points. They need at least two, even if they get one. So I can see the Flyers, or I mean the Rangers, winning this game uh, regardless of who's the goalie. Then after that, you have the Oilers-Flames. And I think the Oilers are going to win calgary is playing hot recently, uh, three in a row, and just beat Edmonton. Edmonton on a two-game losing streak, but Connor McDavid has owned the Flames this season. Uh, to me, the Oilers are just better in the Flames. Uh, Connor McDavid is going to get it done tonight against the Flames. I am rolling with the Oilers. Now, for my top five NHL teams. Number five is the Vegas Golden Knights. Why? They are first in the division. Playing great. Why are they playing great? Well, they have Marc-Andre Fleury in net, who has just been a rock back there after all those trade rumors with him. Guess what? Fleury ain't going anywhere. They're playing great. And in March, they have won seven of their nine games. They were on like a... Three-game winning streak, then they lost a couple to the uh, Wild in there, sandwiched in there, and now they're on like a four-game winning streak. But no, the Knights are playing really well in March. They're playing great. Number four, the Washington Capitals. Why? They have won seven of eight games uh, in March on a winning streak right now, I think, of like six or seven. They're playing good. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom is playing great at 33 years old, surprisingly. 
Ovechkin looks like he's in the highlight reel every night, uh, breaking records, passing people in the uh, passing people on the list for the most goals ever in a career. Looks like he's always there. His name's always brought up, uh, which brings my attention. The obvious omission of the team I'm going to omit is the Islanders, who have been playing well. They were just on a nine-game winning streak. Uh, I did not put them in my top five, even though I wanted to. I didn't uh, because some of their wins you know, were against kind of uh, lower-level teams like the Devils, Sabres, and uh, Anders Lee got injured, and that's huge. So I want to see kind of how they are without Anders Lee before I give them this, you know, top five spotlight, even though I wanted to. Uh, I probably would have if they would have beat the Capitals last night, but with the Capitals getting that win, I could not do it. Now, it just three best teams are in the Central. Uh, number three, the Tampa Bay Lightnings. They're on a little bit of a skid, uh, just, you know, winning one uh, against the Stars in overtime, but losing bad against the Predators. But still, they're in first. Technically, they're tied for first, but they have a tiebreaker. Uh, Vasilevsky is one of the best goalies to me. It's between Vasilevsky and Marc-Andre Fleury for the Vesna Trophy as best goaltender. I think that race is that close. I really do. Number two, I think, is the Carolina Hurricanes. Why? They've won seven out of eight in March uh, seven in a row, actually. They just lost their first game, but they won seven in a row. They're third in the division at 41. Uh, Vincent Trocek, Sebastian Ajo uh, have been great on two separate lines, and that's what you need. You need depth on multiple lines, and Ajo anchoring the one, Trocek on the other. That's what makes teams great. Uh, Carolina is playing fantastic, and I have to give them the two spot, which ding, 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 ding. Only leaves one spot left. No, it is not the Toronto Maple Leafs who have been on top so much. My leaderboards recently, but on a mist of a five out of six game losing streak, you do not get omission anymore. You are out of the top five and you are replaced. The new number one who has been so close each time before is the Florida Panthers. They're the best team in the league. They are. Uh, they've won six out of eight in March. They're tied for first in the division. Technically, they get second, which gyps them. But they're playing good. Barkov is playing like the best player in hockey right now. Bob Roski, his goalie, even said that himself. He looks like he's the best player in the world. He really is. Huberdeau, Jonathan Huberdeau, is also playing really well for the Panthers. Uh, this team is playing really, really sound hockey getting additions all over the ice other than their star players of Barkov and Huberto, you know, from a Patrick Hornquist, uh, from an Anthony Duclair, from an Antoine Winberg, uh, their defense, Ekblad and Yandel playing great, uh, Bob Roski playing well as two. So really, they're just playing well, and they don't have a lot of seemingly glaring holes in their roster of the way it's presently constructed. So there you have it, my top five. The Vegas Golden Knights, the Washington Capitals, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Florida Panthers. That's it. Now, it's time for my get your goat take. 
and this might be an unpopular opinion for some, uh, but I like it. And that is, before the season, I had the Rams with the Matthew Stafford trade being number one. I said the Seahawks at two, or the three, but fourth was the Cardinals. I am changing that now. To me, the Cardinals, I think, will be the second best team in the NFC West. I really do. They're making moves. Uh, to me, they're not up to snuff. Don't have the experience like the Rams do. But to me, uh, they play hard. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury looks like the right coach for a job, as many people were questioning him. They have the talent in there. Uh, I think in this high-fly type of offense, the Cardinals are going to get it done. They're going to get a playoff spot. I think they'll be the five seed in the playoffs. They'll be above the 49ers and the Seahawks as they play both those teams. You know, really tough. I could see them going 4-2 in the division, maybe losing both to the Rams or splitting one with the Rams and then the Seahawks. To me, this Cardinals team is just making the right moves. They're not making any flashy, uh, huge moves. I want to see the draft. I'll have a final clear picture over the draft. But as of right now, after free agency, the dust has kind of settled. Uh, there's not a lot of too many huge names out there. Yes, trades can still be done. Moves can still be made. But I like the Cardinals, and I have liked what they have done a lot. You can tell that they want to win. And I think they do have a talent, the tools, the coaches around them to do it. I like the Cardinals and what they're doing. I am. I'm not going to lie. That's it. That was Get Your Goat. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Bye, everybody.